Hey everybody, I'm John Gould. And I'm Nagin Muscati, and this is This Real Estate Life, the official podcast of the Baird and Warner Lincoln Park office. We have so many amazing real estate agents in our office, each with their own unique gifts and personalities, and we really just wanted to create a podcast where you can celebrate those individuals and learn a little bit about real estate along the way. Yeah, so whether you're a real estate agent yourself or just curious to learn more about what we do every day, this is the podcast for you. So thanks for joining us and we hope you love the journey. Woohoo! This Real Estate Life, the Baron Warner Lincoln Park podcast, where we highlight and showcase the different gifts and talents our agents in the office have. Today's guest is a repeat, but it's probably the best repeat we could get of all time. It's the man, the myth, the legend himself, David Bailey. Thank you for coming back, David. You are very kind. Quite the intro. Thank you, John. Yeah, I practice that a lot. <laughs> I mean, John, you kind of just did my job for me. So also thank you. Um, David Bailey, for those of you who didn't catch his last episode, is the managing broker of the Baird and Warner Lincoln Park office. He truly is the man myth legend, as, as John said, um, the fearless leader. And he's done a fantastic job of leading us through what has been a record-breaking year, but certainly a challenging one. So we just don't want to lose sight of how amazing those accomplishments are that our office has achieved and and the agents, but also you know amidst a lot of heartache as well. So David, thank you so much for coming back, and we're looking forward to learning from you. Yeah, likewise. I really again appreciate the opportunity, and I am always just amazed at what you guys have accomplished with this as a venue and a podcast. And I'm uh, I'm honored to be a repeat guest. So thank you. Anytime. You can, you're already invited back for a third time. <laughs> as, the, as the sponsor of the podcast, I can yeah. just kind of, <laughs> perfect. Know, rain, man. Yeah. The, am I the sole sponsor of the podcast? Has anything else come, come out of this yet? You're the sole sponsor. You also don't put a lot financially into it. And that has right. been noted, but. It's, um, emo- it's emotionally sponsored. Sure. We <laughs> appreciate that. Very true. Yeah. But you are required to be on every season though. That is part yeah. of your sponsorship deal. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so David, just kind of wanted to kick it off. Like how has this whole year gone for you? Not just professionally, but also personally, we know you've dealt with e-learning and some other, uh, fun things at home as well. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, listen, I guess I'll start by saying, I think I do feel very lucky. Um, you know, this has been a very challenging year on so many different fronts for so many different people. And I feel very lucky that one, uh, my family is healthy and those around me have been healthy and uh, I'll knock on wood as I say that, but uh, you know, so that's one, but two, I think I feel very fortunate to work in real estate an industry that has uh, actually done very well during these challenging times. So um, I'll start off by saying that because I think Nagin, as you mentioned, there's been some, some very challenging uh, scenarios and situations, but I think it's also led to some opportunities. So I think uh, personally, it's been it's been a very interesting year. Um, yeah, I look back on this, and it seems like March was like four years ago, but it's you know not really four years ago. Uh, but you know, like just before I came on this podcast, I was walking, um, you know, working from home today, and was walking up the stairs to to get back to my guest room slash home office, and uh, our I hear like this pounding on the floor, and it's like bang, bang, bang. And I'm like, what is going on? And I open the door and my six-year-old is doing, you know, gym class in his room, jumping up off his bed and back up and off his bed and back up. And technically that's what he's supposed to be doing for his COVID e-friendly gym that's class and having a blast, right? Like all, all is good. And then in the other room, I hear my son um, like yelling and screaming and he's doing some version of a drama class 
in his bedroom. So, uh, you know, it's like, it's a new day every day. Um, I give all the credit in the world to not only uh, my kids, but I think all these brokers around us and how we've been able to pivot and uh, just adjust on the fly and learn to, to, to operate in whatever version of acceptable is out there right now. Um, so honestly, it, it's been, personally, it's been, it's been an interesting year, but I, I have a lot to be thankful for. For sure. I literally personally don't remember summer happening. Like it's a week <laughs> now that we're back in quarantine again. It's like summer never happened. It's like the whole year's been condensed into like March and then now, and yes. then that's it. Yeah. No, I think that's very true. Right. I mean, it's, it's all just one blended season. Yeah. I don't even know what's happening anymore. <laughs> so I'm, glad, I'm glad you're making it with, with your family. I can't imagine how hard it must be to do e-learning and be the managing broker of an office and navigate all of that. That seems very difficult. But no, if they, yeah. I mean, again, listen, I, I've said this to you guys before. I've said this, I think, probably in my last podcast. Um, just on a professional level and, and with our office, it's been amazing what we've been able to do and, and how we've shifted our value proposition to our brokers and uh, you know what we can do to add and support their business on a daily basis when we're not seeing each other face-to-face on a regular basis. I mean, that's right. just... Uh, that was one of the biggest things that I love about what I do is the face-to-face interaction and those kind of daily, uh, you know, three-minute conversations or five-minute conversations or whatever they may be. And I look forward to that coming back hopefully here in 2021, but uh, 2020, we just had to make it work and we did. And I think, uh, you know, again, to to Nikine's point, we had a record year this year in Lincoln Park. uh, And that's, I think, not only a result of the, the hard work of the brokers, but also the staff, the support staff and, and people that made it happen like the two of you guys. So um, well, you know, I'm very Yeah, let's unpack that a little bit. Let's talk what in your eyes were the biggest challenges that the real estate fa- industry faced when all this started? And like what specifically were the challenges that Lincoln Park faced when all this started or up until now? Recap yeah, so you know, I think it's a great question. And I, I think about this and I reflect about this a lot even um, now and over the over the Thanksgiving holidays, I try to spend some time thinking about it. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's a few different fronts. One I think is just strictly there's logistics, right? So uh, we start off and it's middle of March and we think, okay, we're going into shutdown. We can't go to the office. We still are here. We are in a in a business that is very face-to-face and uh, you know, an in-person business, if you will, whether that is at the office and that means training and coaching and support or that is out in the field and supporting our clients, our buyers and sellers, and actually looking at property. Uh, what do we do? How do we do this and, and adjust so we can continue to safely operate? Because as you guys know, real estate was always deemed an essential service. So uh, you know, we never really closed. We didn't close, we just had to adjust. And you know, there was, and it was not an off day, it was just, we had to adjust real time. I mean, if you think back to the middle of March when this all happened and we had closings that were still happening every single day of that week, all the way through the pandemic. So while maybe the rest of, of Chicago was trying to shut down and they just said, okay, we're not open. Uh, we still had to figure out ways that the moving truck was going to show up at somebody's house. And we had to make sure we could work with the title companies and the lenders and, and help these, these people get into their homes. So uh, there was just a lot of logistical things. So that's one piece of it. Uh, the other part of it is just the simple economic factor. We didn't know where this was going to go. So if you were to look at uh, you know, March was a little bit of a hybrid. January and February started off very strong, and the first two weeks of March were very strong from a real estate transa- transaction perspective. Uh, April fell off a cliff. So in April, I, uh, you know, had a lot of conversations uh, with McGee and the team and, and, of course, the people at Baird & Warner, 
uh, we just didn't know. We didn't know if it was going to be April, May, June that we were going to have, you know, just nothing really happening. Uh, we just, there was just a lot that we didn't know. So it was a lot of uh, looking at the information that was coming in and, and the data, but also having conversations with people about what their clients are saying, what they're feeling and, and figuring out how to operate safely uh, and making people feel comfortable out in the field. And so we did that. And I think we did that very effectively. And, you know, April was of course a down month. I think if I were to look back at the data though, I, I don't like to necessarily look back at April. Uh, <laughs> we were probably, you know, transactions were cut in half or more for the month of April, uh, which is a very significant drop for what is traditionally one of our busiest months of the year. Uh, but we then in the month of May through the end of the year, we've just continued to outpace the previous year. And not only did we make up some of that deficit, we made up the whole deficit um, and, you know, exceeded all of that. So, so kind of the logistical side, the economic side. And then you know, the last thing I would say is just from the Lincoln Park perspective, um, you know, one of the things, again, I love is the people, the people I work with, the interactions that we have and the, just the sense of community. And so my biggest challenge was how do we continue to facilitate uh, some of those interactions and those relationships and uh, make it so that we can share ideas and, and provide opportunities to, to learn and develop, not just from, you know, the, the team here, but also, uh, you know, your colleagues. And that was just, it was a lot of trial and error. I, you know, like everybody else started off with a lot of Zoom happy hours in the traditional uh, <laughs> venues, but those, those got old, I think maybe what, after like week three or four, nobody really wanted to do that anymore. Um, and once you realized, especially that maybe this was going to go on a lot longer than we anticipated. <laughs> yeah, the novelty wore off when it became yeah, it yeah, well, like a two week hiatus. It wasn't so fun after that. So, uh, so we just had to get creative. Um, and, you know, I think, again, credit to, to everybody around uh, the Lincoln Park office and around the team uh, coming up with different ideas to make things happen. And I think, I think we did a pretty good job. Yeah, I think my two favorite things that we did, David, you had coordinated a, like a beer tasting with one of your friends well, who owned a brewery. So that was a lot of fun. And then most recently was John's trivia night, which was also just a blast. And I think the agents really appreciated getting to see each other, even on trainings. Today, John did a training and uh, there was like a, a glitch in the Zoom for a second. And, um, and some of the agents were like, well, hey, at least we're all here and we can like see each other and talk to each other. And I think they really appreciated like that 30 seconds of, hey, how are you doing? How have you been? I haven't seen you in several months. So I should just like not have come back. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you did come back so I didn't have to tackle KB Core on my own you did a great job for sure okay David, sorry oh, John so one more after thing you, after you please <laughs> um I know you don't like looking back at April but I think you know April really puts everything into perspective and just how fantastic this year was like how just how hard it was but how amazing for the agents to really, and like you said, the staff and, and the company, the leadership, everyone to pull together and pull out the results that we did as an office, as the agents did individually, and as the company did as well. Um, so as, as painful as those April numbers are, uh, for me, it's just a reminder because it's easy now to say, wow, this has been a great year and just take for granted all the challenges that we faced. Yeah, and I, th I think you're right. And I think there's a lot of reasons for why uh, we were successful and we didn't just come back, but we came back and, you know, we're going to end up outpacing the market by probably almost 20 points, which is crazy. Wow. Uh, I don't think we've ever done that in history. And to do that during a time like this is just, uh, you know, I, I still kind of, I'm in awe of all of those people, all the people that we have around us. So uh, I do think though, it was, it starts at the top and, you know, Steve Baird does a fantastic job of empowering his people just to make the decisions that are right for the office and right for the company. 
Um, and I empower my staff to make the decisions that they feel are right. And, I, and the agents feel empowered to do uh, what is right for their clients and, and their business. And not only are they empowered, but I think they feel supported. Um, you know, we always work off of that philosophy that there's not one right way to do something. There's not one right way to build a real estate business. And what works for me may not work for John and Nagin and vice versa. And I think that philosophy is crucial during a time of change and, you know, a time of significant change uh, so that you can pivot very quickly. Um, and then the other thing is too, I, I never, you know, I'm not wired to ever feel sorry for a situation, right? I, I think, again, we were very lucky uh, to be in real estate. Was it scary? Yes. But you know, even when I was in sales, my, some of my best sales years were during the financial collapse. And I think, uh, a lot of those things are just out of your control, right? Like I, I wish I could come up with the vaccine, but I know that's not in my, not in my <laughs> life. Not in real house, really? Right, I know. Isn't that amazing? It's surprising. Managing broker and vaccine maker. I don't know. Generally, they don't go like hand in hand. But, uh, but there's just, all of that was out of my control. So I, you know, we, you think about what can you control and what can't you control? And uh, you, know, you focus on the stuff that of course you can. And, and that is, something that I think can really have a strong impact on mindset as well. And so I, I think my message for our team was always, you know, what are we doing going forward? Here are the things that we should focus on. Let's take action and let's not sit back and feel sorry for ourselves. Let's figure out how to make it work. So if you had to, if you had to boil it down to a skill set that our agents possess who were really successful and made this one of their best years ever, like what were, what would be some of those skills that you think agents that were successful this year have? Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. Yeah. And honestly, I, I would just keep it really simple. Um, you know, our agents don't come from a victim mindset, right? They just, they take action and whatever that action is, and, and that might be slightly different for Nagin or John or me, but uh, whatever it is, you just have to take action and you have to keep going because eventually, and as we saw, things were going to get better. So the people that in the month of April just stopped working, stopped talking to their clients, start, stopped building and learning or whatever it is. Uh, they honestly had a little bit of a tougher time coming out in May and June and July, which were really good months. But the people that still kept at it in the month of April, I mean, they were going and their, their services were in demand and, uh, and they were probably busier than they've ever been. For sure. Yeah, I think being comfortable with uncertainty and not letting uncertainty stop you in your tracks, but like just work around the uncertainty and yeah. work despite the uncertainty that seems to be a really good lesson all around this year. Yeah, and it is. And I'll tell you this too, John, it's like, you know, real estate is always going to have a certain um, piece of uncertainty, right? You have to, I have, I have some plans in place. I have some activities in place that I know have a semblance of predictability, but it's never going to be exact. Uh, I might have a pipeline for 2021 right now, right now that I think, uh, you know, I have five clients that I think I'm going to help in the first quarter of 2021. And maybe it's five, maybe it'll end up being four or three, or maybe it'll be seven. Uh, but you have to be a little bit comfortable being uncomfortable and just have the, the faith and the, uh, the mindset that the activities work. And if I can continue to follow a schedule and continue to follow a routine and, uh, you know, it, it's not like you're going in blind. It's a, it's a well thought out routine and schedule, hopefully. But uh, if you stay active and, and you, you focus on the things you can control, then the end result is always going to be there. Right. Absolutely. That's all you can, that's all you can focus on. Or, I mean, this year proved it. Like there's a lot you, we have no control over. So <laughs> it's, you know, have your moment, feel sorry for yourself, 
get and then snap out of it because snap out of it. It's you, all, absolutely your family deserves that from you. Your clients deserve that from you. Like you have to take action and keep moving forward and, and do those things you can control. Yeah. I also think in a, in a kind of a separate semi cool way too. I think uh, this was a year that I think I had more time to focus on learning and development than I have in a long time. So I, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're all busy and I think the learning piece of it, real estate's always changing. Opportunities are always changing. Uh, markets are changing. The business is changing. All of that stuff is, you know, one of the reasons I love real estate is that it is always changing, sure, but sure. you have to make sure you're always learning to keep up with the changes. 100%. So, uh, you know, if we talk about opportunities from, from this year, I, I'm, you know, grateful that I had more opportunities to spend time learning and developing different skill sets that have been kind of on my list uh, for a while of, of things that I wanted to do. And, um, you know, that matters as well. Yeah. And it sets you up for success in the future that way, because you're not always trying to play catch up then. Yes. There you go. So in a year when everything's back to normal, maybe, and we're all in the office together and COVID's a distant memory, what are some things that you hope we take from this time period to apply to our life from now on? That's a, I like this question a lot, John. I mean, I think and I'm actually going to take it more from um, less of a business side and more from a personal side. And I think, sure. uh, you know, it's really important in real estate, especially to find balance. Uh, it is a career as an entrepreneur and, and you are truly running your own business. It is something that can, can eat up uh, all hours of all days. And you can find yourself, uh, you know, working months straight without days off or hours off or things like that. And uh, if for nothing else, we were forced to slow down and forced to slow our pace and, and kind of uh, prioritize relationships and uh, what truly matters. And I think hopefully people don't forget that. Uh, yeah. I know it's, it's caused me to evaluate all aspects of my schedule. You know, like I, I really enjoy being in the office, but I also know there's a lot of days I can work from home just as effectively. Yeah. And so my calendar going forward, even when, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's safe to be in the office every day and we're back to some version of normal. Uh, I still think I probably will work from home either one or two days a week, just because I think there's things that I'm more effective with getting done at home than I am in the office. Uh, so there, and that also has the, the ancillary benefit of, of being around my, my family more, my kids more, uh, or the, uh, the category who I think continues to win COVID is the animals. Uh, so my dog continues to love <laughs> get, getting all the attention. Uh, so that's what, that's what I would say. I hope that is what stays with us is that we continue to remember balance is important and, you know, not only you know, time, but also taking care of yourself and, and just the whole wellness piece of it. For sure. I totally, I totally agree. I, I do appreciate the freedom that this period of time that this has given me, like, is, I feel like I, I know how to do my job now without being relegated to the office, you know, and that's a nice feeling. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you guys both know this. And I say this to everybody that works, uh, works at the office too. And what people are often surprised where we're sitting there doing a business plan with a real estate broker. And one of my questions is always, well, what does your time away from business look like? And, you know, is it scheduled and is it, are you following that schedule? So if an agent says, okay, you know, Wednesdays are my day off and I'm, I'm not going to work on Wednesdays. And I say, okay, well, what if somebody calls you and says, I want to go see a house this afternoon? What do you do? And then I see what their answer is to say, well, if your answer is yes, we're going out, we're looking at the house right away. I can't sit here and say, don't do that. But at the same time, I say, well, that's not really a day off then. So then you have to figure out another day that's off. Uh, so it's, you do have to work at it. You absolutely do. And I don't begin to think that, uh, that it's easy, but it's important. Yeah. That seems like, I mean, this is going off on a side 
tangent, but these are the best ones though. Keep going. It seems really difficult, especially for new agents, especially when you're training them. Like you have to build your business right now. You need to put in this time. You need to put in this work. It seems like it'd be very easy to feel guilty about balancing your life, especially at the beginning. But I guess that's also probably the time it's most important to set these, these schedules. So you don't. Yeah. Kind of setting that habit. And I think the the idea of, of downtime, it doesn't have to be an entire day. It could be two hours, right? I, uh, you could leave your phone at home and go on a, on a walk or a run for two hours, just around the neighborhood. And, and at the same time, you're learning about different spots that maybe you weren't familiar with, uh, but you're not connected. Uh, right. I think those are times to rejuvenate. I mean, I've worked with brokers before where I, you know, I look at them in the eyes and maybe you can see like the burnout is happening and, and you, you feel it, you feel it, you hear it in their voice. Uh, and, you know, I've had brokers that I say, listen, you're going like book yourself a hotel room downtown, do a staycation, spend one night in the hotel, don't answer your phone, let it be, and then come back tomorrow morning and you're going to be more effective and efficient with all of your conversations. So I think that it just matters. It matters. And you have to be surrounded by people that can call you out on that too, by the way, because if you're not, then you just kind of keep going. Yeah, Nagin. <laughs> That's right. Well, David calls me out all the time, but that is, I think I've, that's the one thing to David since like starting, you know, this role assisting you at the office as well. Like it's become even more important and uh, you always, always remind me of that. And I'm really starting to understand like that was something I wish I had put into my business plan early on and created those boundaries. And it didn't, it hasn't impacted anything in a negative way. If anything, it's helped me be a a better assistant manager, a better agent to my clients. hopefully a better spouse. I'm going to go on a limb and say I'm a definitely better spouse. We'll go with <laughs> yes. time off. Um, I think he'd agree. And, uh, and, and it's just allowed me to refresh and have more control over my business and over my days. And that part is so important. Yeah. It's like any business, right? I, I, I am always focused on ROI, whether that's like my time or my investment in something, whatever it is, you want to think about that ROI. And I, uh, you know, it gets into efficiency and everything else. And so if I'm rested and I can get something done in one hour, that's a lot better than like a tired version of myself taking three hours to do, to do the same thing, right? I'd rather like take those two hours and rest and then do it in an hour and, do, and probably do it better. Uh, so, and, and probably and also not do it with uh, disdain for the activity because uh, I'm more effective with what I'm doing. So it does matter. That being said, John, no days off for you. <laughs> that's <laughs> it's never I don't ever feel like I'm working when I'm working with you Nagin oh how sweet, how sweet. <laughs> oh man no. this podcast is like always 15% nonsense so <laughs> I mean, we've, we've met our quote yeah I said that was 2020 in a nutshell our office killed it we've learned a lot we've all been very flexible and I think personally that I'm much more comfortable with uncertainty than I ever have been and I think we can say that universally. So now we're going to move ahead to 2021 when all this, when things are back on track. So 2021 obviously will not start out with things being back on track, but we are getting there. So knowing that, what are your hopes for the Lincoln Park office? Like what goals do you have for us in this next year? Yeah, I mean, I, there's uh there's again, I don't know why I'm operating in threes recently, but I am. So I I think there's like three major pieces to it. Um, One is just like continued safe and and good health and safe operating practices. Um, I'll knock on wood for this again, but I think we've been, we've been very lucky as an office and we've, we've, uh, 
followed the protocols and, and operated safely with our clients and, and within the office. So uh, that will continue to be a priority until, uh, you know, it's, it's safe to, to kind of let our guard down a little bit more. But, I, you know, I think everybody thinks that's going to be a little bit of time still. Um, and honestly, I'm, I'm probably most concerned about the next three to four months just because I think people are letting their guards down a little bit. And, and that's uh, right. something I'm a little bit nervous about. Yeah. I want to make sure that we continue to provide a safe environment for, for people to work and, and work safely. And, and that's internal, but also external out in the field when we support our clients and, um, you know, we're in houses all the time and uh, that we still operate safely there. So that's one. Um, the second one is, I think, just community based. We are an office that thrives on interpersonal relationships and supporting each other's business. And uh, so I think it's not going to be an on and off switch in terms of what that looks like as we start to build some of those interactions. And so uh, just being very intentional with how we kind of relaunch the uh, in-person learning opportunities for 2021 as, as it's safe to do so, um, I'm excited for that. That's something that, again, I think it energizes me, it energizes everybody else in the office, uh, but that'll be, be a big piece of it. Um, and then the last is just to continue to thrive. I, I think from a business perspective, we are going to have some great opportunities in Chicago. I always think that we're incredibly lucky to sell real estate in Chicago, but uh, there are certain areas that have had some challenges, but I think that those areas that are finding challenges right now will be amazing opportunities uh, at some point in 2021, whether that's Q1, Q2, Q3, I'm not sure yet, but uh, there will be some good opportunities there. And so I wanna make sure that our team is, is well prepared to, to take advantage of those opportunities as they become available. So um, that's probably the three major areas that I'm focused on for next year. And then just as always, making sure we have the, the right tools and resources and, and pieces in place to, to help support that growth, right? And it's not just, it's not, and you guys know this about me, it's not just about the numbers on, on any front. I want, um, you know, I always want to grow, but that doesn't mean I need to, to grow the number of brokers in the office. I want to help the people that we already have grow their businesses. And that's where I think the, the biggest opportunity is going to be next year. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's one of my favorite parts about working office is how dedicated you guys are to helping our brokers succeed. And, and you can see in the training we have and in, you know, the, the one-on-ones you guys have with them, like you can tell it's a big deal. And I, I think the agents know that it's a big deal that you guys want them to succeed. I, I talk to new agents all the time and all they do is talk about how great you and Nagin and Diana are about making them feel successful. And it's one of the greatest strengths in our office. And yeah, of course that'll continue next year. It'll be even better. Even better than it was this year. That's right. And John, you're, you're a part of that. You keep saying you guys, but yeah. it's us guys. You're we guys. I'm not sure what the right grammar is there, but uh, you're, you're certainly part of that too. And in, in the way you support the agents, that's, but again, like, like you said, David, all of this, you know, it comes from the top down, like you've been empowered yeah. and then you can empower us. And then, you know, we all can empower the agents to, to help their clients. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do some pretty baller new agents. We do. We do. We have such a great crew. And, and I'll tell you, it's so important. You know, I love one of the reasons I switched from being in sales and, and into management is just that I love the teaching piece of it. I think we talked about that last time too, but it's, um, I think new brokers bring so many great ideas and energy and, um, you know, hustle. Like it's just, it's one of my favorite parts of my job is helping new brokers grow their business. And, and they're really important just to the entire culture uh, kind of in, in, in energy of an office, right? And we have a lot of listings as an office and we need newer brokers to help our more experienced brokers service those listings, whether it's open houses or showings or things like that. 
Uh, and the newer brokers need the more experienced brokers to have listings to help grow their own businesses and relationships. So you need a little bit of uh, all mixes of experience to, to run a successful office. Uh, and I think that is something that we're very, very lucky to, to have to offer. Yeah. It seems like we have a very healthy ecosystem of agents. There you go. Ecosystem. That's what we're going to call it. I like that, John. Thank you. No problem. Definitely stealing that. <laughs> okay. How do you think brokers, both new and experienced brokers, can best prepare to be successful in 2021? I mean, again, I'm sure 2021 is shrouded in uncertainty as well. So how would, what would you tell brokers to focus on over the next few months as they plan their business and what they're going to do in 2021? Yeah, so I mean, I think it's really just a couple of things. The first one right now, especially as we are here in, in early December, um, focus on the relationships that you already have and the people that you already know and, and figure out you know, what you can do to add some value to those individual relationships. Uh, people have questions, right? So uh, I, was, I was with... Uh, with a couple of people yesterday that we were we were talking about uh, uh, long-term real estate investment strategy. It was not the most exciting situation to be in, but at the same <laughs> time, and I don't fall asleep yet. Uh, it finally pivoted, and we were talking about their personal situations, and they were they both had not refinanced their homes, and they had interest rates that were over four percent. And their primary residences and and bright people, and I just simply asked them, I was like, "Well, why haven't you done this?" Well, I don't know, I just haven't gotten around to it. And then I just quickly did some math as to what it would save them on a monthly basis if they did based on their loan amount. And then as of today, they're in the process of refinancing their home. So there are questions that need to be answered with every individual. It doesn't always need to be that I'm looking to buy a house or I'm looking to sell a house, but there's something real estate related that you can probably add some guidance. Maybe they want to renovate a kitchen and they need to understand what some of the latest and greatest styles are, or they need a vendor to help them do that. That is value I can add. And I want all of my people calling me with those questions. I want to be that resource that they go to. So this month, I would really just focus on what can I do to add value to every single person that's in my network and on my sphere. That would be my number one priority by far. Um, and then number two is, you know, this is again, a great opportunity. I think to, if you haven't already done so, develop a plan and make sure your business plan is finalized in a place, but figure out something new that you can learn that you don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe it's how do Airbnb rentals work in the city of Chicago and, you know, what are the guidelines and laws behind that? Uh, what do I need to know to finance a short-term rental? Um, I watched a webinar last night on this and there was a lot that I learned and I've, I've watched a lot of webinars on those topics before. So I would, I would always be trying to focus on something else that you can learn that just would, again, add value to your clients in the future. Perfect. So add value to people you already know and check in on them and invest in them and continue education. Yes, always. Always. Yeah, not even just for planning 2021, just always continue education. Always, yes. Love it. I should, I should do that. I am doing that. You are doing that. I am doing that. Yay. Okay. So what words of encouragement would you have first for new brokers? What are your words of encouragement if they just started out in the season? They're working hard but they're still figuring out their footing. What are your words of encouragement? And it's, um, I guess just very simply is stay committed. It's mm -hmm. uh, real estate will have, uh, will have some easy days and some hard days. And on the front end, as you're launching your career, it'll seem like there are a lot more hard days than there are easy days. Uh, right. So, you know, you made a commitment to launch this career. You have a great support team around you. Hopefully uh, if you're listening to this, you, 
you you probably work in the Lincoln Park office, but maybe you don't, and you're thinking about uh, a new support team around you. I think, it, you know, the things that you can control, kind of as we started this conversation, are the things that you need to focus on the most. And so, uh, one of the challenges as a new to the business broker is you are still building that foundation of knowledge, uh, and you're building that confidence to have some of these conversations that I'm talking about. Like if I were to talk to John and say, John, can you explain to me how real estate taxes work in the city of Chicago? John would probably be like, please don't ask me that question right now, Dave. And would say, Nadine, <laughs> you can answer this. Um, you know, there's a lot of little things you just need to know how to do. So we want to focus on the learning, but we also have to focus on the actions. And I think, uh, you know, whatever that means to you, and it has to be defined, those actions just have to happen. So I would just say, uh, if you're feeling lost, you need to figure out again what it means to, you need to raise your hand, I guess, first of all, and figure out what it means again to stay active and to, to be in front of the right people and have the right conversations. Um, but second, just have some faith in the process and, and some understanding that it can take a little bit of time. Um, I've said this a lot of times before and, and my new brokers know it, but it took me six months when I started in sales to get my first transaction. Um, and that was back in 2004 where um, only about like one or 2% of the total transactions in the marketplace that Baird and Warner facilitated were rental transactions. So really to get started, you had to focus entirely on sales. Whereas right now to give you perspective, about 30% of our deals are rentals. So, um, and rentals do provide an opportunity to have a quicker turnaround and client experience right off the bat. But, uh, it took me six months to get my first transaction. And I promise you, I was frustrated. I was working my butt off. I was trying, I was learning. Uh, but I vividly remember a conversation that another broker and my managing broker had with me. And they said, listen, just stick with it. You're doing all of the right things. Um, but you just haven't found that one win yet, but they will happen. And then in month number six, I had six transactions. Uh, and that what? was, uh, it was just kind of the culmination of, I did not control what, who I was meeting, or excuse me, I didn't control the time frame of the people I was meeting, but I did control the actions of the relationships I was starting to create. So uh, that's what I focused on. I continue to focus on. And that's what I would say people should, should remind themselves of right now. And the last thing I'll add on this too, again, as we enter the holiday season, balancing the time off with forgetting you're still working. So yes, I believe in time off, but I will also tell you the, uh, it, it won't surprise you that if you were to walk through the office on like that little gap between Christmas and New Year's, yeah, you probably are going to see the people that are, you know, highly productive real estate brokers as the ones that are in the office. So I, you know, take the time off, but don't forget that if you're not working your business, nobody else is doing it for you. Uh, so you have to be, you have to be engaged. 100%. And that, I mean, that all goes back to what you were saying earlier about in this year, controlling what you can control and learning to be okay with not controlling what you can't. Yes and being faithful in the small things and in keeping your schedule and in making your calls and all that stuff. And then beauty, beauty will happen eventually. That's right. That's right. Just oh, that. Six months down the road. That's right. That's right. Hopefully it's not six months. I don't want to be the poster. Yeah. Guy, right. <laughs> it's fine if it's six months, as long as you get six transactions. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Not too bad then. That's right. What advice would you give to an established broker during this time? Um, you know, it's funny. I've had a lot of conversations over the last three weeks with some sure. very savvy, experienced brokers. And uh, one thing that they really need to spend the time doing is evaluating the last two years of business generating activities and where their business has come from. 
Uh, what I found recently is honestly, most people thought things were very different this year in terms of source of business and, and opportunities and marketing plans definitely changed a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, this year was somewhat similar in terms of source of business compared to the year before. So as you're planning, don't make choices for your marketing or your relationship building plans for 2021 that are drastically different from 2020, unless you think it's totally necessary based on the results you saw. And I know that was a little bit convoluted with how I approached that, but at the same time, it's important. Like if you don't know where your business came from, it's hard to figure out how to get more out of it in the future. Um, and so just, I would say, spend the time to make sure you have a firmer, firm understanding of that. Make sure your plan is, is executed and running now. You know, this is uh, everything we're doing right now sets us up for success in the beginning of 2021. So uh, make sure you're executing and running on that now. Um, and then again, raise your hand. You have this amazing team of people around you that want to help. And so, uh, you know, if you have questions or want to strategize on, on different opportunities, uh, take advantage of what's around you. Perfect. Yeah. And even if that is, you know, just asking for a little bit of extra accountability too. Yes. Mm-hmm. It matters. It matters for everybody, right? Really does. Yeah. I am um, kind of related just to that concept. Um, I got a Fitbit on Black Friday and Woo! I've been wearing it all week. It's pretty compelling to your point, David, if you don't track and measure, you think your life is something very different than what it is. And you don't want to be, you don't want to be confronted with the reality, but I've already been able to make some small changes just in the last few days because now I'm tracking. Um, and it's the same with business too. Like you, how do you know how to course correct if you're not actually, you know, keeping an eye on where you've been and looking at those things that you've done well in the areas that could use improvement. So that tracking, that measuring that's really important. And then reaching out for that help, getting that accountability to help you move in the right direction is, is also key. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, can I ask you a question again? How often do you evaluate your business? Like, what does that look like for you as a broker? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, that's a great question. I think when I was in sales full time, much more regularly, um, you know, I would meet with David. I also had a real estate coach. So it was like constant evaluation, like weekly, actually, of what my leads looked like, what my business was at, how much GCI I brought in. Um, now it's the last six months or so, I'd say that's like really tapered because my focus is more yeah. on you yeah. know, assisting David and the staff at the office. Um, but I think you kind of have to be checking in. I mean, if you can, like every, every week you should be checking in and, you know, Tom Ferry on the business planning yesterday, if you guys caught it said, have, have it all in front of you. So whether mm-hmm. it's on a whiteboard or you've got a Google sheet, you can just go in and update, like, what are you working on? What are your deals? What are your leads? What are your appointments? What's your income, your transactions, all that, anything that you want to track, you know, just track it and, and look at it on a regular basis just to keep you on that path. It's really easy to get busy and put that to the side, but that's it. We're business owners. We're realtors. That means we own our own business, not just a job. So we have to treat it like a business. Absolutely. Wise advice. (laughs) Okay. It doesn't mean mean the numbers are always going to be what you want them to be though, when you check every week, but (laughs) good to have them out there though. If I'm diabetic, took my blood sugar. I could drop dead one day. <laughs> yeah, so, so you yeah, have to track exactly. it, John. So you have you have a true life and death tracking situation. That's true. <laughs> I, I feel you guys. Or <laughs> <Poor> real estate agents. <laughs> okay, well, those are all the real questions I have. And then we have the really real questions. Nikki, do you have <laughs> really any real, real questions? Do I have, have any real questions? 
I have one real question for David. It's kind of unfair because it involves a market prediction for 2021, but just kind of going along with this theme of opportunity, David, that you've been like, you know, you know, sowing that seed throughout this time, like look for the opportunities. Are there certain segments of the market that you think, you know, or you predict that we might see some, some new opportunities in 2021? Uh, yeah, I mean, there are, and these are, there's just starting to be some data. There's the, the December numbers on mortgage forbearance and like in people that are kind of had pushed pause on paying their mortgages uh, and also the eviction moratorium and uh, the number of tenants that are delinquent on rent payments and things like that. There's a lot of that data that I really want to see for December that should start becoming available soon. But that kind of leads to one segment that could be opportunity, but it's not going to be opportunity like it was back in 2010 and 2011. I think that's one thing that people are really, they were in a weird way hope, like hoping for. As a real estate investor, they think, oh, you know, there's going to be a lot of blood in the water. I'm going to be able to, uh, you know, buy this building at a 25% discount. And that's just not going to happen. You know, we might be talking about two, three, four points, maybe as, as, a, as a value buy, uh, but it's not going to be that, that significant level like we saw in 2010, 2011. So I think part of it is many expectations of our, of our clients as well. But I do think there still could be some opportunity in the multifamily sector, uh, depending on what happens here with the different... Uh, uh, government programs and things like that, whether they're extended or not extended. So that's one piece, but more, uh, you know, the kind of the bread and butter of what we do and what, who we help going uh, forward in the real estate market is typically, you know, primary residence owners. Uh, and that is going to be more geographically based. So uh, you guys have heard me talk about the different kind of regions of Chicago that we, that we service. And obviously we, we help everybody. Uh, we do most of our transactions um, tend to be on the North side of Chicago, just based on where our office is located. And because of COVID, the high-rise buildings and uh, uh, kind of the downtown market area has been most dramatically impacted by what's going on. So we've seen month supply of inventory, which is kind of an indicator of supply and demand, go up really significantly to the point where uh, downtown Chicago market is probably a 14, 15 month supply of inventory for a lot of different types of buildings. And that's a lot, like a balanced market is four and a half months. And so 14, 15 months supply is a lot. And so there are some sellers that truly need to sell, uh, whether it's a life change, you know, death, divorce, marriage, uh, things are still happening and they need to sell those properties. And if you have that much inventory, the only way to really stand out, if there's 10 units that are the exact same, more or less in a building, uh, the one that's going to sell is going to be the one that's the best value and value is usually driven by price in a situation like that. So people that are uh, willing to, to make that commitment to kind of a long-term Chicago, um, you know, listen, Chicago is Chicago. You know, it's a world-class city and, um, you know, it's going to be back. And I don't think yeah. anyone truly doubts that. And so if you look at opportunity, people who are downsizers, I'll tell you what, I had a conversation with um, an agent in the office yesterday or the day before, and I was asking about her showing traffic and open house traffic at a property she had down in the loop. And she said, um, in my mind, I was thinking it was primarily going to be first-time buyers that were coming through and looking at it. And she said, no, it's actually been a combination, probably 50-50 of first-time buyers and downsizers from the suburbs. So people that are had pushed pause in selling their suburban home, their goal is to come back into the city or move to the city and uh, you know buy a condo and simplify their life and downsize. They're now starting to activate as well with news of the vaccine on the horizon and feeling that it's going to be safe to live in high-rises. Uh, that's going to happen. So 
I think opportunity is going to be there in those high-rise marketplaces uh, in the first couple of quarters, but it's not going to be there forever. I think that will come back and, and do pretty well pretty quickly. Awesome. Thank you so much, David. I think, yes, like everything that you just said, it, it just kind of gets my mind going, like of all the different ways that agencies can start planning now, how to put right. together like a value proposition to serve those clients in 2021 and like really, really leverage those opportunities. So thank you for that. Yes, of course. It's very hopeful. We're in Chicago, John. It's all good, man. All good. <laughs> Maybe the weather's not all good. I guess it's, we have some sunshine. It's not too bad. Yeah. Are you and you're not even a native Chicagoan, so we can't even accuse you of bias. No. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Anyone here a native Chicagoan? Well, does Naperville count? Yeah, kind of. It's like close. It's like the area. I was going to give it to you. I was going to give it to you. <laughs> David said no. You know, I, I don't know if I should say that. You know, um, I remember as an agent, you know, on Michigan Avenue where those, those like, you can only turn left if it's a green arrow, but a lot of people turn left like across Michigan Avenue, even if it's not a green arrow. Yeah. yeah. Every time somebody would turn when it's not a green arrow, we would, our joke was always that they should go back to Naperville. Oh, no. <laughs> That's fair. I've heard worse. It's all warranted. <laughs> Just that was the G-rated version. Naperville and our Naperville office. We love you if you're listening. That's right. Of course. Of course. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. And all you downsizers, <laughs> we have big content. <laughs> yeah, my parents moved from Naperville a couple of years ago. I mean, the timing for them was what it was, but imagine the opportunity now, like sure. if they could have pushed back a couple of years, so. Both on both sides, selling in the suburbs where there's totally. a lot of demand and then buying a high rise in the downtown area. That's right. Anyway, John, it's all you, man. Is it time for the two heavy, heavy hitters? It's time. These are new. You've never heard these. I'm a little before. nervous for these. I, I have, I have no guidance whatsoever. And I've I know my, yeah. uh, my kids are behind this fancy door behind me playing Fortnite and yelling and screaming. So hopefully that's not uh, interrupting the, the sound on this podcast. No, it's not translating. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but so I'm gonna ask these questions. I want you to really think about these answers. Don't be flippant, you know, like this is very serious. Okay? I'll take it very seriously. If you could be any animal, what animal would you be and why? Hmm. That's a really good question. You could take this Thank all you. sorts of different directions, couldn't you? I will take this seriously, John. Um, I appreciate that. Yes. No, I think it would be very cool to be some version of a, a bird, like an eagle or something, because I like the idea of, you know, the soaring and the exploring and, and like the freedom of being able to like travel around and uh, the mobility side of it. So I think that would be. That's a good. So, so any bird or specifically an eagle? You know, eagle stands out to me, but I probably would go with any bird. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just I mean, so you know, my other choice was potentially going to be a gorilla because in fifth grade I did a uh, an animal report on gorilla, but I decided against the gorilla. I want the eagle. Well, that would have just been too easy, David. Yeah, totally. Totally. Way to push yourself. What yeah. about a flying gorilla? Like, well, I mean, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I know. Okay. Second question: If you could be remembered for one thing in your life, what would it be? What would you want your gravestone to say? Man, these are hard-hitting questions, John. Let's like not favorite color or anything like that. These are you're like going for it here. Um, you know, I I do think about, and I don't even know how this happened, but I over the last couple of years I fought a lot about legacy and um, 
just kind of being a good person, right? Like being a good citizen of the world and uh, you know, the simple concept of, you know, he was kind, he was supportive, he was a giver. Uh, I want to make sure I always give more than I take. And so I think something simple like that is what I would say. That's perfect. You gave You're me- already doing it. Yeah, for real. There we go. I appreciate that. And I love that question because, yeah, because at the end of the day, people never want on their gravestone like, I sold, I moved a million units in volume. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It, it, you know, that really but, does get to the heart of who you are. No, it doesn't. And, and honestly, you say, um, you know, we talked about how our office is having a record year and, you know, all of the numbers and behind that. And that, don't get me wrong, I think that's great. But I honestly, I, I think about the personal successes of the agents in the office and what that has meant for their life, the fact that they've been able to do certain things and the kind of story behind the number is what I'm always much more driven by. And so, uh, right. so that's why I know being in a sales world, the number is something and it's, it, yeah. it's there, it, it matters. Um, and, and there's a level of competition always, but I, the story is always what drives me more. And so, uh, so that's what I focus on too. I love that. That was a great answer. You passed both questions. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah. You wouldn't want to know what happened if you didn't. It was bad. (laughs) The consequence is severe. (laughs) I don't even know what happens if you don't pass, David. So (laughs) I don't know. We'll find out. Um, David, thank you so much for joining us today again. for those of you listening that want to learn more, you can go to our office website, bwlincolnpark.com. There's plenty of materials there, including a fantastic blog that David writes um, every other week or so. He posts some great content, whether you're getting into real estate, already in the business, or just want to learn more about our office and the company. Uh, you can also email him at david.bailey at And we will have all of this in the show notes. But you guys, my Fitbit is yelling at me. I need 144 more steps this hour. So uh, I think that means it's time. It's time. It's time. Thank you guys for the opportunity. I appreciate it. All right. Take care, guys. David. Bye.